Welcome everybody to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. My name is Abraham DeWeese. And with us this week are Matthew, the angry and evil Oregon Duck, Paige, and my great friend from down south in the magical and mythical lands of Utah, the Ram, Richard A. Michelson, straight out of Ingram High School. I'm glad to have you guys on here, but you know who I'm even more happier to have is our host, our scholar, our man of the hour. That is Brian, the Soul Man Solak. Hey, how you guys doing? Even though I'm not a scholar, but thank you for those nice words. You're a gentleman and a scholar. <laughs> I heard you. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm an evil, evil, evil person, apparently, because I'm a duck. <laughs> yeah, you are. But I heard, Brian, you read a book once. <laughs> I did back in the day when I was like six or seven, but is that, <laughs> you know, is that all that's required to graduate from Wazoo now? Oh, my. Oh, 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 oh shots fired. Oh. <laughs> I was going to be nice and give you, a pl- give you a nice plug about your Oregon quarterbacks tonight, but screw that. <laughs> that went right out the window. <laughs> Anyways, uh, um, how you guys doing? Doing all right? Well, you I mean, other than the, the fact that we're existing in the year 2020, I'm doing just fine, Brian. Good to hear. How about you other guys? That's, that's a fair point. Yeah, I'm ready for this, this year to be over. Although I, 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 I was woken up by a nightmare last week where we had we celebrated the New Year's and instead of ticking over to 2021, the clock just reset on 2020. Oh, ouch. <laughs> One of the scariest nightmares I've ever had. Groundhog Day, okay. indeed. I actually woke, Groundhog Day on a year. <laughs> I actually woke up this morning wondering what day it was. <laughs> I did not know. I honestly, this is. Do I have to log into work? <laughs> no, I knew I had to work. The alarm went off. That means I have to work. Oh, okay. But what am I doing and what is today and what's on my <laughs> schedule? None of that was available to me in my recollection. Did you know where you were? I was in my bed. Yes, that okay. part I understood. All right. I was not that's old, old age, buddy. You're gonna be 49 in April. Just don't forget that. <clears throat> Why you got to do that? What's that all about? Silence. Silence. Got to remind him he's old. I mean, come on. See, he didn't remember. He didn't see. He was. He was perfectly happy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought I was. I thought more to the case in six months that I'd be 29 for the 20th year in a row. But thank you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, I mean, that works. I, I'm works glad that depressing down note that you put us on is, is kicking off this show. Great job, Soul Man. Good my job correctly. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to tell me next? You're going to tell me like, you're going to tell me like the Cleveland Indians are going to change their name. Is that like, is that where we're going? Like just on losing things that we have come, become accustomed to. Is that, is that where we're heading? Yeah. Hey, uh, my my vote is on the Cleveland River Fires. All right. I like the Cleveland River Fires. I'm going with the I'm going with the Cleveland Rocks. I like. Right. It. If you like your pick there, Abraham, I'll give you that. I, I would go with the Cleveland Drew Carries. Ooh, that's pretty <laughs> nice. Have you guys seen the Have you guys seen the most recent rumor? It's the It's the Cleveland Citizens. Why? 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 Yeah, that's that to me is more offensive than what they currently are. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> oh shoot. Um. Anyways, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, <clears throat> I'm gonna read it. Uh, I got something here on the computer. I'm gonna read off. 
and then we'll go from there. But the title of this headline is, This Game Was a Failure. Sounders run out of magic in a 3 to nothing loss to the Columbus Crew in the MLS Cup. Rich, was this, I mean, the Sounders played last Saturday in the MLS Cup. Was this game a failure because they lost? Oh, tell us, tell us about it. Ab- absolutely. I mean, this was a this was a royal butt kicking uh, of the Sounders by by the Columbus uh, crew, um, and and it makes me really really sad to say that. Now, I will I, w- I will uh, go after the season. The season's not a failure. You get to the final, it's not a failure. Yeah. I mean, like that that's that's a very successful, especially in this year. Um, but I mean. So one of our talking points was, well, let me, let me fill in our listeners who might not have watched the game or really paid that much attention. Uh, Seattle traveled to Columbus Saturday uh, night, um, and uh, it was not a close game. It was, it was not a heartbreaker. It was really a thrashing. Uh, Columbus just came ready to play. Uh, they outclassed the Sounders three to nothing. Um, Are we sure and- that the Sounders actually traveled? Because – they didn't look like they were present. Uh, they did not look like they were president. I don't know I why did that see, is. I did see some guys with green jerseys. Yes, <laughs> yes, they were green jerseys. This this team, for whatever reason, was either tired or like just off, or maybe like the fire alarm got pulled on their hotel at three in the morning or something. I don't know what the deal was, but they were not ready to play. Everyone was a bit off. Um, and I don't know why, like, you know, soccer, like so many games is a game of inches. You know, if you, you know, are two degrees off on, you know, a header, for example, that means the difference between it going wide by, you know, 10 feet or just tucking inside of the the post and being a goal. So, you know, if you're just off and everyone is just off, that can lead to, you know, a cascading set of failures. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll bring up a couple, a couple of things here. Um, Brian Schmetzer is a very good coach. He um, is exceptional at his halftime adjustments and his second half adjustments to bring uh, the talents that the Sounders have to bear on opponents. He just never got the chance. The Sounders were already down two to nothing uh, early uh, you know, in the first half, and then um, you know Columbus got that third goal late, uh, but with uh, I think the 82nd minute in the second half that kind of finished things off. So um, they were just off every night. I, I will say this: some people will say that I'm wrong, but um, you know, if you play this game ten times, I think the Sounders win six or seven times. Uh, Saturday night just what? wasn't there. I mean, the Sounders have more talent than Columbus. Okay. Um, I mean, is is really what it boils down to? Um, you know, is that it, true? Is that true mm-hmm. that the Sounders have more talent? I mean, when you yeah. take when you take a look when you take a look at uh, uh, Zardes and uh, mm-hmm. Etienne, mm-hmm. what the what, what the Columbus crew did, Caleb Porter, by the way the evil mm-hmm. jerk from uh from Portland, Portland. Timbers who might as well yep. be an Oregon Duck fan. Let's be yes. honest. <laughs> yes indeed. He's pretty much the same thing. Um he knows our weaknesses and he sent Etienne he sent Zardis after 
you know, Alex rolled in and after Jao Paulo, he knew exactly mm-hmm. where we were weakest and went after all those weak points with the strongest guys on his team. And the remainder of the team kept up with our talent. So were yeah. we the stronger team? Yes, we, we, we are absolutely the stronger team. The Sounders had three players on the MLS best 11 and deservedly. So um, Jordan Morris, uh, Nicholas Ladero, and um, Raul Rui Diaz um, uh, were all, you know, the, the best players at their positions for the for the season. Um, uh, Jayasi Zardis, just to bring him up, is an excellent striker in Caleb Porter's system. He is what he is, um, and I mean, he didn't get on the score sheet. He didn't really do a whole lot, except that he occupied the center backs of Seattle, uh, which let. Um, Zellerian, who is the uh, attacking central midfielder for Columbus, kind of run roughshod over our central defense, which was manned by Jao Paulo and Christian Roldan. Now, here's the thing uh, for the uninitiated. Both Ale- uh, Christian Roldan and Jao Paulo are excellent players. Uh, they can do a lot of things in the midfield. What they are, neither one of them is, is a true defensive midfielder like Ozzy Alonso. Ozzy, if you'll recall, we let go to Minnesota two years ago. Um, we do have a true defensive midfielder. His name's Gustav Svensson. Um, he was just not starting the game. He was on the bench. Uh, he had missed a couple of games in the playoffs due to being on international duty. Uh, don't get me started on that. That's a soapbox that I will go and yell for 30 minutes and dominate this uh, podcast on. But um, he was gone on international duty, captaining uh, Sweden, came back, and then was on quarantine and missed two games um, due to be actually being exposed to COVID um, and, and having COVID. So um, he recovered, he came in, was the hero in the game against Minnesota to win the Western Conference uh, Championship and um, had, had played exceptionally well in that game. And, and, and all the pundits thought he was going to start this game. Um, last year in MLS Cup uh, in 2019, when we did win um, – he did not win the MVP award because, of course, if you don't score goals, you don't win MVPs in, in, in finals. That's just the way it is. Or, um, you know, in baseball, if you don't, you know, either pitch a shutout or, or hit home runs and knock in the running runs, you don't win, you know, you don't win MVPs. Uh, that relief pitcher that comes into, you know, all seven games and shuts down the other team doesn't ever get, uh, you know, the MVP unless they're, uh, you know, Mariano Rivera, for example. So, um he was the most valuable player of that, of that Sounders team uh, last year in the final. And um, when he came into this game at, at the half, he was the best player that the Sounders had on the field. Um, but he didn't start this game. And Columbus, I, I think, guessed right that, they, that he wasn't going to start this game. And they came out with a, uh, a tactic, which was they were going to do a, basically a high press. Uh, they were going to force us into mistakes. And they were not going to let the Sounders get the ball from the center backs into the central midfield. They're going to let us ping the ball around the back, uh, but they're going to man mark everyone and make us do something creative. Now this plays into Caleb Porter's strength. He is a fabulous first half tactical coach. Um, this plays into <laughs> Brian Schmetzer's weakness. He likes to stick with his guys, the guys he thinks are hot or the guys that he's trust or the guys he's been going with. He doesn't like making big changes to lineups. And he doesn't like doing anything dramatic. 
uh, in the first half. He likes to make his adjustments at the half. So basically, you know, hold on um, and then, you know, hold on, keep teams things even, and then blast teams in the second half has really been the Sounders' um, MO the whole season and actually the whole tenure, basically, of, of, of Schmetzer um, in town. So uh, he got his tactics wrong. He got outcoached. Um, and he did le- uh, put two inferior players um, on the field. Uh, Alex Roldan, Christian's brother, was starting at right back. He'd been very good as a backup, uh, but Kelvin Leerdum is a superior player, and we saw that in the second half, that Leerdum played a better game uh, across the board than Roldan. Um, I will say one thing. Uh, he was blamed for the first goal that Columbus scored. Not his fault. Not his fault at all, and I'll tell you why. So, uh, in the play, Etienne um, brings the ball up and has the ball, and no one's covering him. No one's marking him. No one's putting any pressure on the ball. Uh, so, Alex Rodon says, okay, you guys ahead of me aren't going to do anything. I'm going to run up, and I'm going to put pressure on the ball. Well, that means it was when one of your defensive players moves up to put pressure on the ball, someone's supposed to rotate back into their spot. And that someone was Jao Paulo and... Um, Jovan Jones. And what we see is after Etienne gets the ball, he then turns and runs back. And in the meantime, you can even see it on the video that both Jao Paulo and Jovan Jones never rotated back to cover the hole that uh, Alex Roldan was in. And <laughs> Jovan Jones just kind of waves at him as he walks on the field in the 26th minute or whenever it was that the first goal was scored. What happens in the meantime is that Zellerion, the, uh, the attacking midfielder for Columbus, has made a run into the gap where um, Alex Roldan is. And Alex Roldan is playing catch-up because he has to run 40 yards back and can't catch up because he started 40 yards away, whereas Zellerion was already you know 20 yards ahead of him. He almost catches him, but he doesn't quite get there. And that's the first goal, which is a, a long cross across the field that Zellerion just taps into the into the goal. So, But that's what, um, I, get back, that's what I get back to when I say mm-hmm. – you know, uh, Roldan, Alex, and, you know, mm-hmm. former Seattle University grad, um, yep. alumni, and Joe Paulo, like, their rotations look completely out of sync. Bungled. I don't, yeah, they're bungled. Yeah. De- they're definitely bungled. And it just kind of makes me wonder why don't, you brought up Kelvin Leardham, and that makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense to me, but I almost wonder, like, why don't you drop Christian Roldan back and let him be the Ozzy Alonso. Uh, I mean, the the real solution would have been, or what I would have done if Rich has been the you know the the, the coaches, I would have started Leardum for for rolled on, and I would not have started Joven Jones because Joven Jones has been disinterested and not himself himself since he got injured uh, mid season and came back. No, he hasn't been interested since he came back from from Europe. He he doesn't want to be back yeah. here. Is my opinion. Yeah, I, I don't know what the deal is with him, but um, his defensive effort is is mediocre. He just doesn't ever seem to want to pass the ball effectively. He's not the same player he was in his first stint, and we would have been a lot better off with uh, Christian Roldan at right mid um, and Gustav Svensson at the at the defensive midfielder slot, which would then allow um, Jao Paulo to play the role that he's best at, which is that kind of in between do everything midfielder like he can drop back and defend some but he can get up under the attack and join up with with uh you know ladero in the attack but as it was with how things lined up 
Alex was supposed to be in that kind of do everything role, and Jao Paulo was supposed to be a defensive midfielder. He's really just not suited to do that. He's more in that hybrid, um, get involved in the attack um, mode. And um, and I think I don't have any proof of this, but I think he was either injured or just exhausted. Like he just didn't look like he had the same energy he had at the beginning of the season. And so, um, yeah, I mean, he was just off. And it basically, if you know your central midfield is off, and the other team's central midfield is good. You know you're you're in in big trouble. I also say this: um, Columbus won this game missing two starters. One of their attacking midfielders, uh, Pedro Santos, was out with COVID, and uh, Darlington Nagby, who is their defensive timber, central midfielder, former timber, former, former timber Nagby. He also was with uh, Atlanta United when they won the MLS Cup. He was also out um, with COVID, and um, they had a young kid who who had played in the uh, academy for them and then played with the United States uh, youth national team, Aiden Morris. And he was the best Morris on the field, sad to say. Jordan Morris was just ineffective all night. And he basically covered Ladero and picked his pocket all night and made a whole bunch of plays. And then Etienne was also excellent. But I'll say this. This is one of those cases where it was addition by subtraction. Etienne was the perfect counterweight um, because what he does is different than Pedro Santos, and um, he was perfectly happy to be kind of second fiddle to Zellerion. And then Aiden Morris, you know, as a young kid, he's also not trying to run the show like Darlington Nagby does, because you know Nagby's you know like a ten-year veteran, very good on the ball. Morris is not that player. Morris is much better suited to the high press, much better suited to you know bump you off the ball and then get the ball quickly to someone else to start the counterattack and then go back to his defensive midfield position. And that just played perfectly into Columbus's hands, perfectly like the perfect antidote to the Sounders uh, offensive, uh, you know, uh, game plan. And um, I, I, I'll, I'll say this. I think that if Darlington Nagby and Pedro Santos start this game, uh, you get a very different result because Columbus are a very different team with those two on the field in a way that is to its Seattle's advantage. Uh, and the way that these, uh, with Etienne and Morris on the field, it was actually to Seattle's disadvantage. So does the loss fall on Brian Schmetzer from what you're saying? Was he outcoached? He was outcoached. Uh, I think the loss also falls on, I mean, the whole team was flat. I mean, so like if, if you play mediocre in the first half and the other team plays excellent, and you're going to get blasted, and that's what happened. But, yes, he, he got co- outcoached. He didn't put his players in the, in the best position to win. Uh, he didn't have any tactical surprises for Caleb Porter. Now, Caleb Porter knows him very, very well. They've coached against each other for years. Uh, Schmetzer is kind of a very uh, run-of-the-mill, nothing fancy tactical thing. And this would be a perfect opportunity, right? Yep. I mean, to make a football analogy, let's say you run off tackle all day. I run off tackle and then I run a sweep and I run off tackle and I run a sweep and I run off tackle and I run a sweep. That's like, that's all we do in the running game. You know, like USC student body left student body, right. Right. Well, Absolutely. this is where you want to pull out the, the lead draw. This is where you want to pull out the counter. This is where you want to pull out, you know, the off tackle play action bomb, right? Like this is, this is the time to get all those wrinkles and all those other things that other people aren't expecting to pull those out. This is a time to pull out a brand new formation that plays totally differently, but still accentuates your strengths. And you don't do any of those things. Mm, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you can say that though. I mean, like if you have success in uh, four MLS cup appearances in five years and mm-hmm. you're running basically the same 
play. Like you said, student body left, student body right. And it works for that period of time. Basically what the sounders do is they do that charge up the left end, left yep. side, right? Yep. And nobody can stop it over the course of five years. You know, right. I mean, in individual games, people can stop it. Caleb Porter can stop it because yeah. Caleb sees this thing probably four or five times a year um, mm-hmm. and finally has the talent to do it. But what? why would you... Why would you stop? Why would you tell the Buffalo Bills, who did lose four Super Bowls in a row, mm-hmm. to do anything other than the K-Gun offense? Like, why would you tell? Why would you tell the Utah Utah Jazz to stop doing the pick and roll? I mean, like, oh no, you, it works. You don't. But instead of instead of running, uh, instead of lining Andre Reed up at split end, you put him at flanker or in a slot. Is what I'm saying. You still run the K-Gun offense. You just you throw a twist in there that. You've prepared especially for this game that the other te- that you've never done right, but that you know you can do and you think you can execute on well. You still keep it within the the ethos and the philosophy of what you've done, but you you throw something at the other team that they aren't expecting, right? Yep. And 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 you know it's I don't know it's 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 a pitcher having a you know a changeup or a slider that they haven't thrown all year, but they've been working on with the bullpen, right? And, you know, do you have high confidence in this? Is it time to switch things up to totally catch the other team off guard in a critical moment, in a high leverage situation? Because the Sounders had the ball in this game 66% of the time. Wow. Okay. They had over 200 more passes than Columbus did. They generated but they generated fewer shots. They generated fewer chances and less good chances because Columbus knew what was coming and the Sounders didn't change anything up. They didn't ever have that change up to, to fall back on. Right. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a plan B. And that, and that is a tactical flaw. Um, I'll just give you an example of where you, you're super successful all season and you still change things up. So in 2017, the Sounders were the reigning champions, but um, Toronto was really, really mad and out for revenge and hit, had an amazing season, hit all cylinders, blew everything off the doors. They won the Supporters' Shield for the best regular season record. They won the Canadian Championship and blasted the teams in, in Canada doing that. And then they came into the MLS Cups playoffs, and they ground stuff out in the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference was far superior that year. They met the, the Sounders in the MLS Cup and were, were heavy favorites. The whole year they've been running a formation with three central. Um, uh, it was a three-five-two, so it had three center backs, five midfielders, and the two outside midfielders weren't really midfielders; they were kind of wing backs, so half defender, half midfielder, and then they had um, a great central midfield, and then they had uh, the two the two strikers, uh, Josie Altador and Sebastian Javinko, uh, and they and they won that game against the Sounders uh, two to nothing. But they didn't play that formation in the final. They played a 4-4-2 diamond, so uh, no wingers, four central midfielders, and they kept their two strikers up top, and they dominated the ball, and they ripped the Sounders to shreds in that game. And one of the reasons they ripped the Sounders to shreds is the Sounders had no clue that it was coming. They hadn't seen it all year. Um, They'd only played it about 15 minutes total in the course of the entire season. But Greg Vanny, had, uh, the head coach of Toronto, had scouted the Sounders and figured out that if he could do a few different things, he could suck um, Nicholas Ladero and um, 
Clint Dempsey up the field and then attack our central midfield because he'll have he'd have four players there. We'd only have two. And he just did it over and over and over again. And the Sounders had no answer for it. Because um, the only way to attack that type of formation is to run wingers into the gaps in the back. And they had a player to do that, but he didn't bring him on to like the 82nd minute. And he finally brought in Jordan Morris, who's coming back from an injury that year. So um, Brian Spencer is a fabulous coach. He just sometimes gets outcoached, um, especially in, in something where, uh, you know, a tactical acumen at a very high level is going to make a difference. 95 games out of 100, it probably doesn't make much of a difference. But, you know, one or two games a year, it makes a big difference. And this this happened uh, on, uh, on Saturday night. Fair enough. Well said. I mean, it is what it is. It just wasn't in the cards, it sounds like. But yeah. had we played maybe on another night, like you said, they'd win six, out of, six or seven out of ten games, you know? Yeah, I a, think so. Yeah, I mean, the, the the talent is just there. And like I said, it was a, a perfect storm of, uh, of the backups actually being the better antidote for the, what the Sounders attack had. Um, one other thing I just want to, you know, touch base on, uh, there's going to be some big changes for the Sounders this, this coming year. Um, they actually just, uh, they did extend the contract for Nicholas Ladero. Um, okay. He's, he's 31. He's got a, another year left next year. And then he added two more years onto his contract. So he'll be here through 34 age 34 and he'll either retire as a sounder or he'll probably go back to Uruguay to finish things out with like his hometown team. Um, is it a good idea to give him an extension? Yeah, it is. This guy is, is one of a kind. He is, a uh, he, he runs more than anyone and you know, barring, uh, you know, a major injury, he's going to be uh, fabulous for a long, long time. He, he was always dangerous. And basically my only, my only gripe is that I wish that Schmetzer would sit him a little bit more um, in, in some games. So he doesn't just run and run and run, and especially this year. I think he got worn down a little bit um, throughout the end of the season and in the playoffs just because all the games, I mean, there are a lot of games where they're playing two or three, three games a week. And normally, you know, in soccer, you play like one game a week. And so you just, it just wears on you. He okay. runs more than anyone else in uh, major league soccer by more than a kilometer uh, a game more. Like he just covers so much ground. It's an, it's kind of insane. Wow. Yeah. Um, we're going to see some, some young players coming up this next season. Um, it looks like Gustav Svensson, sadly, will probably not be back with the Sounders. He's probably uh, a big a big loss, as is Kelvin Leardam. Looks like Alex Rodon is going to be the presumptive starter um, with uh, at right back with, with a few young kids from the Tacoma team, uh, Tacoma Defiance, uh, be giving a shot. Um, and you're going to see more a, a bit more of a youth movement now. Uh, this is probably needed, quite frankly, um, for for two reasons. One, uh, the Sounders have an, an older than average team, and you can't just keep on relying on guys that are past thirty, um, just because they, they at some point they just kind of fall off a cliff and and, and can't can't do the game anymore. Right, because um, Svensson, Svensson is, was um, thirty five. 34. 34. 34, right. And then uh, the Leardom is heading up into that 30 range, right? Yeah, and he costs a lot. He's really, really good. He's probably going to go to another Major League Soccer team or to back to Europe and um, maybe even Mexico and, and find a, like, you know, a really 
good contract with, you know, a salary of like $500,000 or more. Okay. I, I would so you're, so you're not going to spend, uh, for those of you, uh, who are not familiar, you get three exceptions to the rule. Um, right. As for what you can pay. So he's going to go into that. Uh, I forgot what the name of it is, but you know, that designated, that's what it is. He's designated. Not gonna be, yeah. Designated player. Yeah. You're not, we're gonna not going to spend that kind of money. Him. No. Uh, right now we're spending on Raul Ruiz Diaz, our striker, who's outstanding. Uh, Nicholas Ladero, our attacking midfielder, who's outstanding. And then Jordan Morris. And Jal Paul, and then uh, actually Jal Paulo, believe it or not, uh, takes really? up that third slot. Yeah. He, well, where's um, Jordan Morris on that scale? Jordan Morris has a, a, a kind of an in-between contract. It's called a TAM contract. It's a uh, targeted allocation money. So allocation money for the uninitiated oh, right. in salary, salary cap world of MLS. So for you baseball, cap. so for you, for, I'm sorry, for you basketball fans, that's kind of like the uh, Larry Bird exception, right? Exactly. Okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's money. Allocation money is money that lets you break the salary cap is basically what it boils down to. So, so Jordan Morris has this really good for the Sounders contract because they signed him to a five-year deal with a couple of option years um, as part of that five years as he was coming off of uh, a catastrophic ACL tear. Uh, he'd gotten it in the first game of the, of the 2018 season. It was out the entire year. Um, and so uh, last year in 2019, he was outstanding. This year he was outstanding. And he's got three, I think three more years of, of Sounders options basically ahead of him. And he, he's getting paid a lot of money with the bonuses and everything else. He's probably getting paid north of a million dollars, but the way this contract's structured, it doesn't hit the cap nearly at that level. So the Sounders ownership has lots of mo real money that they can pay guys and they're happy to do that. They just don't have, you know, like everyone, they just don't have enough salary cap money. So they structured this, you know, this contract this way in a really advantageous way. So uh, it's turned out good. I'd say there's probably about a 20% chance that Jordan Morris goes to Europe um, in the next you know, year. Um, so, I mean, there's a, a decent enough chance it might happen, but I don't, I don't know how, um, you know, how likely that is. That's a, that's kind of my, my guesstimate here. Um, but we've got a lot of young players. So the Sounders have actually invested millions of dollars in their academy and in building up um, sound, what used to be Sounders 2 into the Tacoma Defiance. Uh, they're investing, um, you know, they've got a project in the making to make a soccer-specific stadium in Tacoma that will house both uh, the Tacoma Defiance as well as, uh, I guess, Rain FC? Is that what it is now? The, um, it used to be Seattle Rain, but they moved down to Tacoma. Just and got bought changed by, it, I think. Yeah. So... Um, but anyway, the, the, the women's team uh, from the, uh, you know, the NWSL. Uh, OL Rain. OL Rain. OL Rain. There we go. OL Rain. So they're, they're going to share a facility. For, the, for, those, for those of you who don't know, OL is kind of like uh, Olympique uh, from France. That's. Yeah. Uh, okay. Olympique Lyon. Olympique Lyon. Yeah. So it's kind of like a. It's kind of like when you do like the Real Salt Lake. It it, it kind of makes you think of a European team. That's all. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So, um, but I mean, they've they've got a bunch of money tied up with that. Um, the Sounders youth teams have performed very very well against their peers. 
Um, they won a championship last year. They were uh, th- there weren't any tournaments this year because you know COVID nineteen stopped all of that. But um, they have continued to develop top level talent uh, to the point where basically guys that can't get off the bench and get on Tacoma's field are leaving Tacoma out of contract and going to other major league soccer teams and to other major league soccer teams, you know, second teams and starting. So in other words, they can't get off the bench here, but they're going to, they're, they're dropping right in and being, you know, starter starters at other teams. So um, earlier in the season, one of our, our guys who was like that hand wall he was actually on the first team, but he was like three or four levels down in the, in the midfield uh, in the winger position. And he got traded to, to Nashville and, um, made their bench or their starting roster basically every game after that. So and basically has got a whole bunch of money from Nashville for him. So, so basically uh, for those of you who don't know, the Sounders are in the top five year after year for Academy players. Academy being that S2 uh, defiance team. And what that means is think about it this way. These are all local players or at least players who, uh, you know, walked on or were recruited out of high school and think about it. Like, uh, with your West coast league, like with your, uh, Bellingham bells, that kind of thing, these, okay. uh, but only if the Bellingham bells were owned by the Mariners, that kind of thing. Okay. So you're okay. talking about, you're talking about under, under 20 years old, <clears throat> under 18, actually more to the fact, probably under 18 years old. Right. Yeah, most of these kids are getting signed at 15 or 16 uh, to professional contracts. Wow! And 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 here's where here's where it becomes a game changer. These players that are on these professional contracts are called homegrown contracts, meaning they came up through the farm system, as it were, the academy system for the Sounders. And if they make the first team roster, they don't count against the salary cap for that first contract, <clears throat> which is like five years long. Dang. So right now so, what you're looking at is somebody like Danny Leva, who is mm-hmm. the next superstar in the MLS. But unlike Freddie Adu from like 15 years ago, people might remember that name. Whatever happened to that 18 year old or 16 year old, whatever he was. Um, well, the thing is he got forced into the MLS, but had no fallback. The Sounders have a fallback. The MLS now has a fallback in this Academy system. So they, Danny Leva, can make the occasional appearance in the MLS, but still have a place to play every single day and not basically ride the pine as a 16 year old. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like the, like the Tacoma Rainiers, you can mm-hmm. bring them up for a game and then send them back down. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, and here's the other thing is that in the second tier, he, he's not just playing against other 16 to 18 year olds. He's playing against grown men. There are a bunch of teams in the United Soccer League. That's the second tier, USL. That's where the Tacoma Defiance play. And a lot of these players are just basically minor league soccer players that are trying to make it back to MLS or maybe just they enjoy, they just want to play, right? They just want to play soccer professionally. And so some of these guys are 30, 28, 25, right? Mm-hmm. And not only is he holding his own, he's excelling against them and developing the skills and getting better and better and better because you're getting better against, you know, competition that's as good or superior to you, right? That's, that's how you do it. And so the Sounders have this big pipeline of all these players. And at some point you have, 
to get them up to the first team and play them and see if they're ready. Cause you don't know until, you know, you run them out there. Um, and, and, and the other thing is that, you know, one of these days, the Sounders are going to get a player who comes in at 16 and just lights it up because this is what happens in world football, world soccer is that occasionally, not very often, maybe once every 10 years or so, you have somebody that's some hotshot kid and he really is, uh, uh, you know, really is as hot as you think they is, uh, that they are. Right. Um, and so, uh, that's going to happen one of these days and the, the Sounders are going to have someone that's kind of like the soccer equivalent of Ken Griffey Jr. as a rookie, right? Like, wow, how did this guy go from single A ball up in Bellingham to starting lineup in the major league, you know, major league baseball, it's going to be that kind of a thing. So, um, but, but that only happens if you have, uh, an organizational philosophy to at least play your kids. I got a question about, time. I have a question about that. Back when the MLS first started, there was a heavy reliance upon uh, college stars, actually even through mm-hmm. to the last several years, because that's what Jordan Morris was, right? He was a, a mm-hmm. straight out of Stanford. Do you mm-hmm. find that the Academy system is now going to more of the major league? Well, not the current major league baseball format, but what we might've right. seen like back in the Alex Rodriguez, uh, King Griffey junior days where it's like, let's find these 18 year olds, 17 year olds, sign them up. And mm-hmm. we, we, we can bring in the occasional John Olerudes who can come straight to the majors, but we really want to find and develop the guys and not have them go to college. <clears throat> is that where MLS is headed? No. Not entirely. Okay. Uh, for two reasons. One, um, the United States is too big of a country to scout effectively in any sport, period. You're always going to have misses. Um, you're you're, you're going to have your John Olerudes, and that's fine. But you're also going to have guys like Mike Trout, right? Everyone knew Mike Trout was a good baseball player. Nobody knew he was going to be a future Hall of Famer, right? Like, mm-hmm. it just... I mean, no, just nobody knew that really. Um, I mean, he, he got well, he drafted, went 27th, say, like 20, right? yeah, 27th. I mean, yeah. just like, so yes, a first round draft pick, but not like not a slam dunk. Like these were not people, you know, crawling all over themselves, making bids to get that first round pick from whoever had the number one pick. I mean, that just wasn't how things were. Right. No. And um, Matt, Matt page knows this. Uh, mm-hmm. Dustin Ackley was taken second instead of, uh, Mike Trout. That was a shot at you, Matt, by the way, first of all. Yeah. <laughs> I heard it. Well, right. But I mean, the, it, it's the same type of thing. I mean, both guys were college players. I mean, the, the United States just is too big geographically and there's too many people playing baseball in this case, but also soccer across. You're, you're always going to miss out on players. Christian rolled on like our stalwart, younger veteran, you know, he's going to be the captain after Nicholas Ladero is done, basically, is, is how it works, unless he, he leaves, right, and goes to Europe. Um, the only reason he's even a sounder, the only reason he has a professional career is that the Huskies soccer coach was at a camp, a soccer camp, looking at like half a dozen other players and happened to watch a game where Christian was playing with his brother Alex. Okay, they were on the other team of the team that he was scouting, of the players that he wanted to look at, and instead of you know 
course, you know, the, the, that's an age old story. Well, I decided this kid was better than the guy I was looking at. So I went after him. The Roger Maris, that's how he, the Roger yeah. Maris story. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, yep. it's, it's how, it's why Christian came to UW and why Alex the year later came to Seattle university is because they've been scouted at some camp, but neither one was on anyone's radar. They, it, it's, and the problem is, and the reason is, you know, not every player develops early, right? Late bloomers are kind of a classic thing. Um, as much as we might probably all hate him, Jose Canseco, by the way, late bloomer. Uh, didn't make the major league roster to like age twenty four. Yeah, didn't start. Uh, didn't start uh, poking needles in him until. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was on mute. My bad. Wow. That's, that's Shots fired. Shots fired. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, but like, uh, you're going to miss out on people. There's just too many people here in the United States. It's too spread out. And so any team that only goes their academy or only goes college players is going to miss out on a ton of talent. You've got to do it all. And our, our GM, guys, we have great news here. Um, Garth Lagerway is the best GM in, uh, in Major League Baseball. And or Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer. There we go. Hey, we've seen um, he, we've seen the Mariners GMs. We could use somebody like him. Yeah, we really could. <laughs> but he uses every mechanism that's available to try to get talent on the team. And he hasn't used the draft a lot uh, lately, but he has brought in a bunch of players from college on on kind of on free tryouts to see if they can make the team. Um, and and a few have so. Um, the Sounders are going to find talent wherever they can get it. Um, and if they can develop it themselves, great. And if not, then they'll, you know, they'll use the draft. Well, the great thing about another. Gareth Lockerway is he, he doesn't go for the European old fogey, like Zlatan mm-hmm. or Thierry Henry or mm-hmm. one of the, you know, Beckham, just cause they can sell t-shirts. He goes for guys who can actually win games now. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, w- one last sounder question. I I heard that Schmetzer does not have a contract. Is that true? If so, are we going to get him signed up long term? Um, uh, he does not have a contract. I think uh, I'll say seventy thirty. Yes, we'll get him signed up. I think the sticking point is for his his assistant coaches. That seems to be the word on the street. <laughs> um. That's and, scary, Rich. I mean, Sc- Rich yeah. That's scary. You're saying seventy thirty. I wanted you yeah. to say like ninety nine. You know, yeah. one. Like I didn't want you to say seventy you know, thirty. A month ago, I would have said ninety nine one. Okay, but a couple of things. Um, there's been a lot of kind of bashing of Brian Schmetzer for whatever reason. The national soccer media just does not give him any respect. Um, he's never brought up as one of the best coaches in. In, in the league, he's not brought up as someone that could potentially uh, coach, you know, the national team. He's not thought of as like a, a good coach. I mean, mind you, I, I've just bashed on him and getting out tactics by by Caleb Porter, right? But there's been plenty of times that he's um, taken Caleb Porter and his teams out to the woodshed because he out tactics them, right? It's just this particular game he got he got out coached, uh, which which happens, um, but. He is is kind of just like the whipping boy of the national soccer media uh, in the major league soccer scene, and so 
Um, do they just see this he, like he had some words? They just kind of see him as like a raw, raw guy, good in the clubhouse, hometown hero. Like that's that's really what they think of him. And yeah, but I mean, look, 2016, he took a team that Siggy Schmidt, who, in my personal opinion, the game had passed him by. But he yeah. took a team with talent that Ziggy Schmidt could not get over the hump because maybe of that raw raw, you know. Yeah, and there's you know there's a place you know there, there's a place for raw raw. I mean, I'll give an example. You know, Lou Pinella was kind of seen as that raw raw guy, right? But the was fact he? of the matter is, yeah. Oh, I saw him more as I hate rookies. Well, there's that too. And oh, okay. kind of seen that way too. Um, but I mean, all, all veteran coaches, I think are kind of seen that way, but, um, you know, Lou Pinella was, was known for many things, but being a master tactician probably wasn't like the top of his reputation and, and Schmetzer's probably the same way. No, but, it was definitely, it was definitely managing egos, especially guys like Brett yeah. Boone and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the, yeah. Ken Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez, Randy Johnson. Rob Dibble. If you go to my Rob Facebook Dibble. page, I shared a video of Padilla fighting Dibble in the locker room, but yeah. go on. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but managing personality is obviously very, very important. But he, here's the thing. I mean, I think the evidence speaks for itself. Um, never missed the playoffs. Even, you know, two years where his team was in last place. Never missed the playoffs. Um, finished second four years in a row in the, in the conference. Now we'd like to be first. I get it. But like finishing second in your conference every single season, not bad. Um, winning, you know, winning the, you know, going to the final four out of five years, the one year you don't you Western conference championship. You know, not just you won four Western conference championships. You've won two MLS cups. Um, no, what I'm then, saying is the one know, year he didn't go to the MLS cup. That was a Western oh. conference championship appearance yeah not half bad <laughs> um and and i mean he he's been an excellent coach but the, here's the thing is that the national media was picking on him and he said like don't don't believe what they're saying about like that i could only do this in seattle right he i am convinced he has a chip on his shoulder and if he does not get the pay that he thinks he deserves there are a number of attractive jobs open in Major League Soccer right now, and well, no one has snapped up these coaches. Look at he Caleb Porter. Walk. Look at Caleb Porter. You just mentioned it with him. Yeah. He won a 2015, won a championship in in uh, the what's that piece of terrible town south of us? Uh, Portland. That's it. Portscum. That awful state <laughs> with awful colleges. Um, yeah. He won there. You, <laughs> he, he won in Columbus. I mean, like. Coaches do matter, even if they don't, even if they're not, not like NFL coaches where like they matter on a tactical basis, they matter in the holistic building of the team and managing egos and managing practices since, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Caleb Porter does it. So maybe I understand what you're saying, 70-30. Maybe Schmetzer says, you know what? If the Galaxy just want to drop $20 million into my bank account, maybe I'd just do it. I mean, that's yeah, kind of, probably, uh, that's maybe not that much. Not the galaxy. It's probably Toronto oh. would be my bet. Okay. Yeah. That's if he, if he doesn't end up in Seattle, my next, my next 
best guess for where he ends up is Toronto. Interesting. Okay. But it, but definitely a team really like, interesting. But definitely a team like Toronto, Atlanta, Galaxy, a team that will just say like, we're going to drop so much money on whatever you tell us to buy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's 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 true. Does he live um, underneath Gareth Lagerway's shadow at this point? I think a little bit. Um, I think that the issue is like these two have been a really great GM coach tandem, right? And for the most part, I think that they've been able to keep their egos in check. But yeah, I mean, it, 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 we'll see. We'll see. we'll really see what 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 it boils down to. We'll see if if Loggerway still thinks that he's his guy. Um, if he doesn't, or he doesn't think he's worth paying what he what, what Brian thinks he's worth, it's going to be really interesting to see who he thinks can replace him. Replacing a legend is damn near impossible. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you for that excellent analysis, Rich. Sure thing. Sounders should hire you. I've said that before. Great job. <laughs> great job. You do seriously do a great job on that. So props to you. Um, moving on, we're going to move on to our Seattle Seahawks. They kicked the butt out of the New York Jets. I don't know how else to say it without swearing, but last Sunday they won. Was it forty to three? That was the final score. Yeah. Um, what are, What are your first thoughts about the football about the game? We'll start with you, Matt. Um, it was expected. The Jets are incompetent. They're incompetently coached. They're bereft of talent. And there's a reason why they're going for the first overall pick and they're going to get it. Um, so, you know, I guess they, this, this was, this was not really a surprise in my mind at all that we, you know, we were angry from last week with the giants and we kind of took out out a little bit on the poor Jets. Um, they're so they're so bereft of talent that they're still running the uh, the corpse of uh, uh, the zombie corpse of uh, Frank Gore, who I swear has got to be like 170 <laughs> years old at this point and has rushed for 17 million miles. I heard he just got um, his yeah. I just heard he got his triple triple A card, right? Oh yeah, he's got, or yeah, AARP yeah. card, AARP card. Yeah, right? I, yeah. yeah honestly, yeah. I don't know how Frank Gore is still a thing at this point. How the guy is not in a you know, in traction and like he needs full new knees and every joint. Possible. I was going to say he'd already blown out his knee twice at the university of Miami 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And, and how now, does, how do you do that? Like the old, <laughs> like the worst luck humanly possible. basically. No, but I'd be milking like, that for the rest of my life. Like, did you see me on TV in the orange bowl? Like, but this guy just keeps going. Yeah, good point. Um, uh, yeah, they're, so they're, I mean, my, my point was with the Frank Gore comment was that they, I mean, they don't have a running back really that is great. They have Adams, but meh, and they have someone else. I forget his name. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it basically, you know, when you when you're having to use Frank Gore at this point, there isn't much there to work with. So Matt, they they that team missed three field goals in the first half, though. So it could have been. You know, twenty-four to twelve or seventeen to twelve. Do you think it still would have been a blowout had they made all those field goals? Well, it, it would have been forty to twelve then. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it still would have been a blowout by definition. Fair, fair enough. I just they seem to get the, you know, 
past the 50, and they they seem to move on our defense in the first half anyway. Well, we yeah, we made some adjustments and kind of locked that down. Um, but, yeah, I, I kind of started to feel bad for uh, – who's the kicker? Uh, Castillo? Castillo, yep. Yeah, why, why, why do they keep sending him out there when he kept missing? <laughs> like, guys, obviously I can't kick today. Please stop using me. <laughs> you know, I'm having a bad day. Well said, well said. Uh, Abraham, yes. question is for you. Right. Every freaking week you comment about Jason Myers and and how awesome he is, blah, blah, blah. But yes. Yet we seem to be going for it on fourth down. Should we – I mean, he the guy can make a field goal. He's made 29 for 29 in a row. And he, every once in a while he misses an extra point. I mean, why are we going for it on fourth down? I mean, are are, are we stupid? I mean, what's what? Yes. I mean, why? why yes. Why, it, it, tell us why. Yeah, no, we're dumb. The coaches are dumb. Schottenheimer's dumb. Pete Carroll's dumb. Pete Carroll, by the way, who ruined my birthday. Like, oh. You no, know, he did. He do. Oh, you guys remember this. About eight, yeah. nine years ago, he ruined my birthday. He went to the Mariners game and they cheered him on my birthday. Nobody cheered for me. <laughs> yeah, they put up, they, he was sitting. He was sitting in the nice seats behind home plate. They put him up on the big screen, and everyone in the crowd cheered. And Abraham was angry. I was. <laughs> I was there. I remember it, and I remember being thinking, "This is no big deal." It was you a know, big deal. Matter. Huge did, deal. Did you laugh, Huge deal. I, I laughed then, and I laugh now. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Abe, go on. So my friends and. Matt, I thought was my friend, but apparently he's a dirty <laughs> Oregon duck jerk. And just because two Oregon duck player quarterbacks play each other doesn't mean that one won. No, they both look like garbage, and both those teams are garbage. Both those quarterbacks are garbage. Anyway, um, wow. the, Raiders, the Raiders beat to the Raiders and Chargers game. The Raiders finished. lost to the Chargers in overtime uh, in way, basically a won. pillow fight. By the way, the Chargers won because an Oregon quarterback dove across the fence. Yeah, speaking of dove across the goal line, <laughs> twenty-two <laughs> years ago, twenty-two years ago, the New uh, York Jets. Vinny Testaverde, yeah, <laughs> green balls himself. Oh hey, green balls scored, himself his head scored that touchdown. All right. Anyways, will you make your point about Jason Myers? Please? <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> I don't want to, okay, 22 years ago, like actually this month, like, jeez, oh, anyway, um, no, I, we missed the playoffs, eight and eight record, Dennis Erickson gets fired, that's probably not a bad thing, but um, anyway, uh, yeah, Jason Myers, uh, 29 of 29 uh, in his last uh, field goal attempts, for some reason, in Sports today, people have this slavish devotion to statistics. They just can't get enough of these numbers and these spreadsheets <laughs> and these and these disgusting. What would what would uh, you know? What would the Grinch say? You know, like as he's looking down on the Whoville and he's talk and they're talking about their Excel spreadsheets and their hooples and their globbly schlooples. Screw your analytics. Make the right decision. 
kick the dang field goals and you win the dang games. This is just utterly idiotic. And I have to sit there and watch the damn Eagles. I watched a horrible team in the Eagles go for it time after time on fourth down and just hand my Seahawks, the team, my Seahawks team, the win. And I'm okay with that as far as the win, but I hate bad football. Get off your tablets, you stupid nerds and start playing football and start thinking properly. This is not some television show called young Sheldon where Sheldon tells his daddy, well, actually you should go for it. Ten fourteen. No, I saw that episode and you know what? It's called fantasy. So if you want to play fantasy football, just play fantasy football, drop your $20 and argue with your friends as you sit on the couch, eating Cheetos and eating, you know, nachos and, you know, throwing jujubes at your damn TV because you're not playing football. You're playing fantasy. Stop looking at the numbers. Look at the game, watch the game, do what's right. <laughs> Kick the damn field goal. Wow. You realize that the, num- that the numbers and the analytics they're doing is just another way to try to figure out to make that decision. Yeah, they're That's making the, the wrong decision. They're looking at the numbers. Yeah, they're, they're making the wrong decision. Well, they're making the, the decision that they want to make. It's yeah, the losing, the losing decision. You know, a lot of times it's the right decision. No, it's not, actually. Uh-huh. You nope. guys care to get in an argument over this? I'm, uh, I'm No, I, there's no argument to be had. Matt just oh, chooses no, to be he, wrong. He's, he's wrong, and he's ranting about it, and it's all emotional-based. It's not emotional-based. I just hate any intellectualism related I, in any way, shape, no. or form to his sport. I, I like... I mean, uh, Dave is still mad that he keeps track of hit-by-pitch and on-base percentage. Yep. Well, first of all, <laughs> I mean, hit-by-pitch. No, I've got a... <laughs> I've got a gripe about that, too. You don't like Fernando Vina? Uh, no, leader I'm, of all hit-by-pitch people? <laughs> Actually, I thought it was Coach from Cheers. Oh, do you remember? Do you remember Coach from Cheers actually set the record? Yeah, he got he set the record for getting hit in the head most in Major League history. Yep, I miss Coach. Why'd you have to bring that up? Now I'm all sad because we talked on base percentage with nerds. Fair enough. Wow. Wow. No, you want to talk? You want to talk to the, uh, the 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 winner of hit by a pitch? Craig Biggio, wow, 285 in his career. Wow, I did not know that. Mm. That is a lot. By the way, Craig That's Biggio, former catcher in the minor leagues for the Brewers and system. Who? Craig Biggio was Craig a catcher. Was well, a he was catcher. a catcher. Oh. in the majors. Yeah, I, thought he, I, I didn't know he played for the Brewers, but yeah. I knew he was catching the major. Okay. Made the, switch, really made the switch to second base. And then center field, too. Interesting. So I'm like, moving on, Rich. So like, what, go you, ahead, Abe. Oh, did you ever make the switch from catcher? No, I never did. That's I probably why you never made it, huh? Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm after all list. of you guys right now because all of you are <laughs> stats nerds. You don't just look at the game that you're watching. You don't. You can't tell the difference between a Vinny Testaverde helmet and a football because the stats don't tell you what what hey. is what. 
I'm confused. Why are we talking about Vinny Testaverde? Is he still playing for the Jets? Oh, Jason yeah. Myers. I'm sorry. We were talking about Jason Myers and field goals. Jason Myers. So kick the kick the darn field goals. Kick the goal. damn field goals. Was, I'm sorry. Okay. Solak, that was your answer to your question. Kick the field goal. Okay. <laughs> and I know you told me not to bring this. But oh well. April, you told me not to bring this up, but I think you need to get the nerd, nerd, nerd sound bite just saying. So. <laughs> Uh, I think our last chief <laughs> Anyways, moving on, Rich, were you able to watch a game last week? The Seattle Seahawks game. I saw some of the uh, some of the game and the ones that had already turned into uh, a complete and utter rout. And it was nice to see the Seahawks be able to actually get a blowout over an inferior team. Uh, really, it should have been two weeks in a row blowing yep. out teams from New York. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm still not over that that loss uh, last week, but well, no, we won against Philly last week. No, oh, sorry, uh, the Giants was I think I thought it was last week. The Giants was last week. You're correct, Rich. It was. Yeah. Oh wait, wait, the okay. Giants were last Dave, Dave week. Is incorrect. Yeah. No. It, it, it comes from uh, not not following statistics or or, uh, or logic of any kind, <laughs> and, and, and turning forty nine and six and yeah. five months. Okay. So here, here's what I want to bring up about the game. Just just looking at the scoring drives, guys. Um, first scoring drive, six plays, 75 yards. Second scoring drive, eight plays, 70 yards. Uh, third, uh, third one was a field goal. It was four plays, nine yards. That was kind of a nap. We got a field goal. And then the next, play, uh, the next one after that, nine plays, 69 yards. The one after that, 11 plays, 75 yards. One after that was off of a turnover, presumably, or a good punt. I didn't, I, I couldn't remember. But seven plays, forty yards, and then last, the last one was thirteen, uh, thirteen plays, fifty-four yards. Guys, they were able to stay on the field and hold the ball and keep some possession when they were scoring. That was just awesome to see. This is actually sustainable. And I know the Jets are a terrible team, right? Yeah. But this was not just like us dropping back and chucking the ball 75 yards down the field, you know, long bombing them because their secondary can't defend. This was us actually like moving the ball effectively and smartly in a systemized manner um, and picking apart a defense effectively. And that's, um, yeah, that, that was really encouraging to see. You know what the game changer was? What? They got my boy, Kobe Parkinson, involved. He caught two catches out there. That was the game changer, huh? Oh, yeah. That that, in- that, that, that's, what, that's, what got us, that's what got us 37 uh, points right there. Okay. <laughs> I, dis- I disagree <laughs> that, with that you on that one. That is a but- cake. Uh no, I'm just I'm I'm just kidding. But I do, I do like to see him get involved. I like to see him actually out there and getting some plays and getting some reps uh, as a rookie. I, I I'm excited about his chances and the development. Obviously, he's not going to contribute in a big way until next year, really. But um, it was nice to see. Quite some interest in Brian Schottenheimer uh, as a coach for some teams. Uh, Good. They're sniffing around. Good. Get rid of him. And and I, my right. response to that was, take him. 
take him. We're cool. Go right ahead. Bye. <laughs> you know, have fun. Hey, I'll tell you. Take I my mean, well, coordinator, please. No, I, 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 I have personal <laughs> against the guy. I wish him well. Uh, you know, I'm sure he's a decent human being. Uh, you know, good luck, man. Congratulations. Well, how much? Let's are go, How much do we need to contribute to the? How much do we need to contribute to the Greyhound ticket to get him out of here? I, that's, yeah, that's a good question. Because I'll, I'll put 20 bucks down now. I'll put 20 in, yeah. <laughs> uh, then let's, as long as they then turn around and go hire someone with talent. Uh, <laughs> or if they, they could just leave him on the tarmac in Washington. Oh, you and your tarmac question. <laughs> they not, could, okay, he is no, he's he is not no Lane, Lane Kiffin, I know that. Right. He's not as bad he as deserves, Lane Kiffin. He deserves to be, you know, fired properly and respectfully. All right. Uh, <clears throat> moving on. Did any of you see DK Metcalf celebrate with a camera? I'm asking for a friend. Uh, oh, that was cute. Not, I not loved it. That. Good, bad, that was good awesome. bad, or ugly. It was awesome. Find his ass. No. What? Good. I want Find more fun. His ass. Why do no. you hate fun? And what if do he do? does it again, no. I have what is zero your problem tolerance for that shit. It Why? got us a huge penalty, <sighs> and it got him a real fine. Big deal. Uh, I have I have zero tolerance for for that level of that level of shenanigans, and I do not. And I want to nip it in the bud. I do not want him to turn into a, uh, you know, um, an ocho cinco or or a diva of that of that kind. I don't want him developing that kind of habit. And let me guess, early. you also want them to turn down you, that music and get off your lawn. No, I, I, I am of the, I'm of the, the old school. If you, when you make a touchdown, you act like you've been there tons of times before you turn, you throw the ball to the ref and you walk. So Rack, you're calling me the old guy on this show. What, what, what the hell's your problem, man? The old I, guys, I, the old guys, the I mean, Oregon duck on this show. I, I, he is sounding old. I, let me respond to this. Then I was waiting for you guys to finish, but I, I'm for it. I mean, I don't see any issues with it. The guy is a hell of a, an athlete. It, it brought back memories of T.O. when he brought out the Sharpie. Mm. 2002, the opening year of the clink. I, I, I was in the 100th level. I don't remember who I went to the game with. It was either my dad or, or somebody else. But I, I have no issues with it. I mean, you're a good, damn good player. What, uh, it is what it is, dude. White shoes, white shoes, uh, icky woods. You know, we're talking about the premier dancers and stylers and profilers. Like, it's fine. You know, as long as you're not, like, you know, shoving it and, you know, rubbing someone else's nose in it, I don't care. It's not a big deal. I have no problem with celebrations after the touchdown that don't draw penalties. You draw a penalty, I'm finding your ass. You draw a second one, I'm sitting your ass for a game. You draw longer than that, and you may not be on my team very long. Um, that's, that's old that's, man that's Matt. That's the old man Matt mentality. Don't matter. Oh, they do. No. Yep. Nope. Yep. They matter There's no mind. direct correlation between penalties incurred and winning football games. That's analytics. Listen to him, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> but more to the point, especially on a kickoff. So you kick off from the 20. Who cares? The guy can boot it into the end zone anyway. I care. 
I don't want I don't want that shenanigans. I do not, and I don't want him turning into Terrell Owens or Nocho Cinco or okay. of the other divas. I stop, want him. stop. Everyone that plays wide receiver is a diva. I understand that. Every human being that plays wide receiver is a diva. It just okay. matters. Doug Baldwin of a diva? Yes. Sometimes he was. <laughs> not not on the level of not the not on the level I'm talking about where you draw penalties. I mean, occasionally you have a guy like Bobby Ingram who doesn't ever say a word or do anything, but like that's the exception. That's that, that's the team I want. But no, but the bottom line is, is it drew penalties? It drew a fine. I believe it drew a fine. And uh, and I'm, I don't have any tolerance for that bullshit on my team. I would have I would have fined him. Period. I would have fined him on top of the, the league's fine. All right, we'll get off. We'll get off your grass, old man. Um, y- Yavol, my commandant. There will be no having fun in the game. That's right. <laughs> um, quick question, guys. If you're yeah. if you're not looking at the stats, does anyone know what the longest play from scrimmage for the Seahawks was? In the season or in that game? In that game. It was like twenty-five, maybe yards or something. Yeah, yeah. Do you know who had? Do you remember who had it? Uh, it was it was it was Carson, wasn't he? Broke off for a really long run at one point. Yeah, he broke off a twenty-eight yard run. That's crazy. We had no game. We had no yeah, long bombs no, in the entire game, did no we? No long bombs. No no like long run. You know, catch and runs. The, the passing long was Hollister, Jacob Hollister, one catch for twenty yards. Mm. So, why that's so encouraging to me is that basically uh, the Jets basically play deep, right? Like they're like, we're not going to get beat on the bomb, either Lockett or Metcalf over the top. Last four games. That's been the truth, Matt, or truth, Rich. Yeah, Everybody's been going into cover four or two, yeah. uh, cover two. But my point is that, yes, this is an inferior team, but the, the Seahawks obviously had a game plan to execute and execute it, right? Wait, you mean Schottenheimer finally made an adjustment? Wow. I don't know if it's Schottenheimer. I think the likelihood that it was Russ, uh, Russell made the adjustment was probably okay. high, far more likely. You know, if they'll let us, if, I mean, yeah, I mean, if they're going to let you get five yard passes over the middle every every play, take it, take what they'll take what they'll give you. Well, they're going to let you get the night ball. Rich brings a five yard play. Rich brings up a good point. We were not taking those opportunities we during the Giants we game. We are now. Yeah, and that that's why I was screaming at the television of the Giants game. I mean, <laughs> I mean you know it. It's all about like moving. I mean, the defense, you know, sets. You know, well, this is what we're willing to to risk, right? And it's the offense's job to take advantage of whatever the defense gives them, to the point where you make it so painful that they can't give up whatever they were giving up, right? I mean, that's essentially what the whole point of the West Coast offense was. Was like, oh, you guys are going to sit back ten yards. And not let us beat you deep. Okay, we'll just take the five yard slant over and over and over and over again. And then you cover, they cover that. Oh, it opened up the deep bomb. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, oh, and then it, or you know, it opens up you know the up the middle run. You know, yeah. and, you know, with the with you know Roger Craig back in the in the heyday and uh, oh, whoever Tom that Rathman. fullback Tom Rathman, right? Tom like, Rathman, still current or last time I checked, still running back coach for uh, the Forty ers Really? Wow. Yeah, really? Last time I love, that, love that city. <clears throat> but also, running a game, guys. Running game. 12 rushes for Carson. 
15 for Hyde, a decent average for both of them. So much better than the Giants game where Hyde only got two yeah. carries. And yeah. I realize Hyde's yards per carry is not that great, but it offloads work for Carson, which is the important thing is to keep him healthy. Yeah. I was going to ask you guys a question because I just haven't watched enough games because uh, I just don't get, you know, enough Seahawks games out here. Is, well, no, you got to get your, you got to get your Arizona big, Cardinals games. Got to make sure you get out those there? in. Out yeah. there? I mean, like, you know, did, do you, do you get electricity out there? We do occasionally. <laughs> okay. Just <laughs> enough to. Just to when the sun, up, yeah, just when the sun the comes up. In, in the oh, okay. Yep, yeah, yeah, exactly. Is Hyde really like the battering ram? Is he the thunder and, and Carson's the lightning? No, like, that- Hyde, Hyde, in my opinion, after what do we have now under our belts, like 10, 12 games, um, he is a guy. He is better. <laughs> I'm sorry, but he's, he's a, a guy. guy. Okay. He is a better guy than what Homer, DJ Dallas, or any of the other schlubs are and that might be good enough he's he can but the difference is that he can go between the tackles they can't they sure. don't have the size of the ability sure. to and so he's 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 a break for Carlson. carson he can he can um he can give him a, bre- a break he's basically the same style i, I, I believe okay, he's so- like you know for your because you guys are stat nerds and like that's unacceptable to me, but like, you know, just to make it, <laughs> just to make it like down to your level so you can understand, he's slightly above replacement level. Okay. So you're saying Rashad Penny can replace him then when he comes back next week or two? Yeah, when he has his legs attached, yeah. Rashad but Penny plays. His legs fall off sometimes in the middle yeah, of runs. He can't take the beating up the middle that that Hyde can. No, he definitely Maybe cannot. And like that, I consider that I consider availability to be a very important ability. And Rashad Penny yeah. does not have that. Yeah, but maybe he's been like away Mike for Pro the game side. for a year. Maybe he's changed his. Game. Maybe he'll be better after being away for for a year. Give you him know, some credit. I've had ex girlfriends. Oh, I've had ex girlfriends say I'd be better if I were away for a year. Um, wow. But that doesn't mean anything. That means There's nothing. Some truth to that statement. <laughs> wow. You, yeah. You, I, yeah. It's all you, buddy. Um, so I guess my question is, is, you know, Hyde Hyde got more carries this game. Yeah. And so I mean, he's slightly above replacement. He can run between the tackles better than the other running backs. But is is he like good enough to wear out a defense? I guess is my my question. No, and that's not his job. No, I think he's 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 a one-two punch with Carson, and they do they both do kind of the same role, and the two of them combined wear out the wear out the defense. And then what happens is you then throw it to the fancy the fancy. Uh, you know, finesse runners like, well, like Penny or, you know, mm-hmm. um, Homer and, and have them do some, do some more fancy moves once the defense is a little worn out. Okay. So I have another question. Cause again, I haven't just haven't seen enough football with, you know, with the team, uh, especially for like about a month or so. I think I've only had one game in the last six weeks that's been broadcast uh, here in Utah, but, um, and that was last week. So, I guess my my other question is, what 
so, you know, back in the in the in the, the, the Seahawks at their peak, 2013, 2014 seasons, basically the Seahawks broke teams. Like they were just way more physical than everyone else. And even if the Seahawks lost, like the next week, that team just was like a broken shell of itself and couldn't play football. And they all basically lost. Um, so my question is, is, is this team getting anywhere near that, that level of toughness and physicality that those, that those teams were in the, in, in the heyday? The ultimate Jekyll and Hyde team of all time. You're looking at a team that looks like the greatest aerial offense ever. And then you look at the team that is the worst defense ever. And then somewhere in the midseason, they do a complete flip. And you look at an offense that forgot how to do basic stuff. And then you look at a defense that has just decided they're not going to be they're not going to be stymied. And I don't know what to tell you, Rich. This is this is a team this is a team that has flabbergasted me. In the past, what forty years of football in Seattle, mm-hmm. forty-five years? Like, I, yeah. I've never, I, I've never seen a team that I don't know what they are. You wrote an article at SeattleSportsUnion.com about two years ago, called you know uh, team identity and how important it is, and I, I, I don't know what this team identity is. I am confused. Yep, I agree with you. Very good point. <clears throat> um, moving on, there's a couple more Seahawks questions I want to get in. Uh, well, hang, hang Sunday, on, hang on. Did he, sorry, go ahead. I, I think this is an important one. Uh, Solak, did you you agreed with me? But I mean, like, is there anything that I'm missing from that, or is there any? You know, no, the, the, there is no damn identity on this team. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Uh, Russell Matt, Wilson, Matt, you, you what don't do you know what, which team he co- which 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 game he comes to. I mean, the defense sucks. Anyways, move on. Well, no, I, no, no, no. I, 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 I what does well, Matt think? I I agree. You're spot on. It, they 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 don't. They are incredibly frustrating to watch because you don't know which team's going to show up. Okay, so here's the point of why I stopped the show right now is I just want everybody to agree with me on something. So thank you. <laughs> I'm going to take that as a win. That's a first time in, that's a first time in six or seven weeks. Anybody's agreed with me unanimously. So yay, I got one. I get one win. (laughs) Uh, Have we, have we ever had a a team that we root for in anywhere, like anything like this, like in any sport? So schizophrenic. No, I, um, one that just doesn't make any sense as to why they succeed. Is that what you mean? Or just like the hot and cold, like, Hey, we're going to blow the doors off of everyone. And then all of a sudden we become this defensive conservative offensive team that like can't like complete two passes or, you know, and again, apply it to any sport you care about or have paid attention to. It's, it's kind of tough because like, you know, you look at baseball. Baseball is a little bit different than football because in baseball, you can have like a full two weeks where everything just works. It just works right. But the laws of averages catch up to you. So where you get the lucky bounce, it catches up to you the next couple of weeks and those don't go right anymore, right? 
um, hot and cold streaks, basically. When you when you look at basketball, the talent supersedes everything. Yeah, you know, and when you look at when you when you look at uh, when you look at football, normally, no, you're right. This does not happen. This is not a normal occurrence. I mean, sometimes teams are good. Like, let's take a look at the Dallas Cowboys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at the Cowboys in the Tony Romo years, yeah, sometimes they look like world beaters. Sometimes they look like, you know, utter garbage. But when you take them in the complete sense of what they are, they're average. They're eight and eight. They're nine and seven. When you look at this Seattle Seahawks team this year, no, I don't know what they are. I don't know if we deserve to have the record that we are. I don't, you know, it, it, it's, it's too roller coaster, man. I don't get it. Brian, Matt, what do you guys think? Yeah. I can't think of a, of a, of a, uh, of a team in the past that's been all over the place like this without a real, you know, consistent identity. Um, part of it's been injuries, but, but really is inconsistent coaching. I was going to say, it looks like it's inconsistent quarterback play. I'm just I'm pulling up the, the stats from ESPN. I know, Abe, you don't really like the advanced stats, but they've yeah, got this one boo. called QBR, quarterback, whatever, right? Basically, it, it, it's like it, it's supposed to be rating, but I don't know if that's actually – but what it does is it measures like basically the likelihood of winning and that your quarterback participated. Basically, 100 is like the perfect game. Anything above 50 means you're above average. And basically, Russell Wilson was outstanding. Uh, he had a QBR above 70 every game until the Los Angeles Rams uh, game. And then he had a QBR of 33, 43, 83, 32, and 84 um, the last five games. So he's certainly been inconsistent um, the second half. And that answer your question, Abe. I'll go back to the 1994 Seattle SuperSonics. We expected them mm-hmm. to win win every game, and they did almost win every damn game. And then they cooked it in the playoffs in the first round against Detroit. Or not Detroit, uh, Denver. Denver. Nuggets, but yeah, yeah, but the, yeah, but, but okay. I, I don't know if like you can say though that like that just seems like a ter- tremendous like you know bad matchup or tremendous letdown. I don't know if like I can say in the moment in '94 that I thought. Oh, this is a team that I have no idea what's going to happen. All I thought throughout the entire season was like, "Oh my God, this team's going to going to take the whole dang thing." Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait I have I have a question. Uh, Brian, going back to what Brian said, they 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 what it they they cooged it. What what does that yeah, mean? Yes, so because someone's going to freaking say it since I can't swear in the show. But <laughs> oh yeah, what what is what does, what, they, what, they, what does they that mean? Oh, oh, cooked it is oh. cooked and it. Where does, where does that reference come from? Oh, I got okay. well, no, no, I got this. I got this. I got this. Um, okay. So cooked it means that you 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 say you'll play any team anywhere, but when UW says let's play, you don't do it, and then you lose yeah, to Coastal then, Carolina then, the next then week. UW, then UW goes to the championship <laughs> Coastal game, Carolina. and 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 UW can't. Field enough scholarship players. Then, then they can't field enough. They can't field enough players, so they lose to they forfeit to 
forfeit to Oregon and then they forfeit to USC. Didn't, so Oregon didn't has, forfeit. Yeah. That's the wrong word for it, actually. Oh, it's absolutely the right one. It's, they, it's they, a they no, contest, no contest. No contest. No contest. And by the way, the by the guys. way, in the record books, UW still has won the Pac-12 North. You're just representing the Pac-12 North. You know, Abe, you're right, and nobody cares. Hang on. Here's nobody another cares. thing. Here's another thing. If you want to get political, if you want to get cares. political, your government, Matthew Page, has forced our honorable and august UW football team <laughs> to not play. That's That's on the government. That's not on the Huskies. Don't you mean our government? Not my government. Not mine. I, I'm, I'm, what? I'm actually, government? I actually am a Lord of, uh, Scotland. Uh, okay. So you're uh, a sovereign uh, citizen? I'm a sovereign he, he, Lord he's a sovereign of Scotland. Citizen of Lake Forest Park. I am that as well. <laughs> I am a landowner of Lake Forest Park and I, I will not be subjected uh, to the laws uh, of the rest of this country, yes. And, and by by land, he means uh, uh, the interior walls of a very very small apartment. No, yeah, I was going to say he doesn't know the air above him. One thousand square feet is not a small <laughs> condo. One thousand square no, feet is not. a very sizable condo. That's yeah. And in my backyard, I own that as well. So that's a good another forty five feet. And, oh, outstanding. But okay, I, I just I, I, going back. I just want to say thank you, Mr. Solak, for explaining. I was really confused as to what "coog it" means. And yeah, my, now I yeah. Know. my it means pleasure. to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah. <laughs> Repeatedly. Repeatedly. <laughs> How did this happen? I went from all of you agreeing with me to all of you turning on me <laughs> in a matter of like way, 12 it, minutes. The order of things has been restored. <laughs> the term when you don't show up to play a game is you forfeit. No contest. Uh, no contest. No. No, no contest because you didn't show up. Now, mind you, the powers that be in the Pac-12 have decided that just it shouldn't count. But I'll go back to what I said when California couldn't feel the team. Yep. They should have forfeited. And I'll stay consistent and say UW should have forfeited their last two games as well. Listen to you, BYU Cougar lover. You're just not happy Whoa. that I went after your wife's team. And that's why you're mad at, at me telling you what Cougar it means. When it I'm, I'm, I'm rolling my eyes because, <laughs> by the way, the Huskies wouldn't have been able to honor their contract to BYU if BYU had said yes because then they went and played – Utah, like two days later, because so, BYU cooked out. No, no. Oh, shut the hell up! <laughs> <laughs> you're wrong. You stand there. Am I wrong? Your wrongness. <laughs> I don't understand why you ride the fence. Because I believe eleven years ago, I went with you to a BYU game against UW, and all you did was crap upon the quarterbacks of BYU. And especially the sister of the quarterback of BYU to her face as her brother yeah. was sucking on the field. Like, yeah, uh, well, cause he sucks. I have nothing against <laughs> the guy personally. It's just as a football player, he was uh, below mediocre. It was Riley Nelson. Is that right? Riley Nelson, but he had spunk. Okay. Well, the Jake, you know what? Jake heaps wasn't much better, but you still insisted. He was actually that, demonstrably worse. Cause he didn't. 
<laughs> he couldn't use his talent. Like, like the 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 thing against Riley was that like he had very little talent, which is true. But at least like he maximized it and tried and was a leader and did all those things a quarterback should. Jake Heaps was just uh, like a walking human turd. He was a five star <laughs> walking human turd. First of all, he also, for the record, he did play for NFL. Can you, can you send me this clip that he's a walking turd and I will send it to him on Twitter? <laughs> oh, he's on local radio. Yeah, Rich, by the way, he's on local radio. So yeah, Brian will do that. I will. <laughs> Fabulous. I love it. Yeah, so that that's actually a- one of the highlights of my of my sporting life was to, to rip on someone and write in front of their sister. Like, I mean, that's just fabulous. By the way, that's by the way, again, a blue chip turd, Rich. So get it right. Yes. He is a blue chip turd. <laughs> Moving Wait, on, we have a couple. Giving you the chance to, to, to like amend your remarks and you're doubling nope. down. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> so what was the question again? Were we talking about Myers, the kicker? We have a couple more Seahawks questions. We're going to bypass baseball tonight just because of time permitting. But Oh, you don't want to talk about Seahawks? the PCL? Yeah, we'll, we'll leave that for next week. Um, oh, we can do that. The very yeah. last question. Very last question. Let's ask. Let's talk about that. Okay. Well, well, it depends on how quickly we answer these. But okay, Seahawks. Seahawks can. This this question is my job on the line. I will threaten my job, so I have to ask this. Seahawks can oh. clinch Sunday a playoff berth. Will they do it? Not can they, but will they take out the football club of the other Washington? No waffling on this answer. And why or why not? Or what concerns you about Washington? So, who wants to go first? I'll do it. It's pretty quick. Uh, can, it's can, it's. Can we clarify real fast as to what they need to do? They just need to win and they clinch. Um, they get a playoff right. berth if they clinch. If they win. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So if they win, they clinch. They clinch a spot. It's not. It could be wild card or it could be division. But they just need to win in order to clinch a spot. They don't need Correct. someone else to lose. I'll make Correct. it. I'll make it quick. Uh, we lose best defensive line in football. Washington's got me running scared. Alex Smith apparently has the touch of the touch of the angels, uh, not touched by an angel. That's a federal offense. Um, but I, I do definitely think it could be consensual. <laughs> anyway, um, Any, go on. Washington's got everything going for him. We're up and down more than a, the pair of pants on a Frenchman. Um, like, I don't think that. Ooh, wow. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I don't know why I'm going after the French in this show, but they had it coming, first of all. Uh, anyway, yeah, I don't think we're winning. All right, who's next? I'll go next, I guess. Um, consulting my handy chart here, Washington is the fourth seed and we are the fifth seed. So by virtue of that number, we clearly are going to lose. Doesn't matter that they are six and seven and we're nine and four. Doesn't matter that we have way more talent than they do. Okay. Well, no, honestly, uh, the way we've been playing the schizophrenic way, uh, I can fully see us falling on our faces. So I'm going to say, no, we don't clinch. How about you, Rich? Um, uh, I'm going to say that we do clinch. Uh, because of the schizophrenic nature of things, I think that the Seahawks find a way to get pressure on Alex Smith enough to, to not let him do Alex Smith things. 
and um, and Russell hits a, a long bomber two to Lockett and, and Metcalf, and uh, we win by a touchdown. What are Alex Smith's things? Um, you know the spunky things like keeping running, you know, for that first down, keeping the drive going, making exact yeah. throws, You're making exact throws, scrambling just enough to get away from, you know, the the all-out blitz, and then finding the guy that was in the zone where the you know the blitzer came from. I mean, like he's he's a an, an, when he's healthy, he's a, a, a well above average NFL quarterback. That if you make mistakes, he will take advantage of those mistakes and, and hurt you. By the way, so, from from the University of Utah. From the University of Utah. Yep. The second best football uh, college in that state. That is true. Utah <laughs> State being the best. Of course. Uh, my response uh, is... Wow. <laughs> my, I know Alex Smith is questionable. With, I don't remember what injury he has, but... If Dwayne Haskins plays, we will win because Dwayne Haskins is a pile of dog do for a backup quarterback. He'll never be a successful quarterback. But if Alex Smith plays on Sunday, I a hundred percent believe we're gonna lose. Oh, um, are there are there injury concerns with uh Smith? There are I, I apologize I didn't do my homework on that, but he did he did go out during the game last week for an injury mm. and Haskins had to come in. Because that definitely um, does alter my opinion of, of that. Yeah, were his ribs broken or something? I mean, he he took a serious shot. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember it was something something in reference to that. But if if he plays, I think they'll win. I mean, Ron Rivera. Another reason Ron Rivera is a hell of a coach for that team. They finally got a good coach. Uh, that defensive line, like Abraham said, they got five guys who are all first former first round picks. I mean, led by Chase Young, the second pick of the draft. Antonio Gibson, a rookie running back, has almost 700 yards, 11 touchdowns. Their wide receiver, top wide receiver, Terry McLaren out of, of Ohio State has over a thousand yards receiving. They have seventeen turnovers. They've recovered forty sacks. I mean, I, I, I like how are these guys I, lost I, seven games? Exactly. I can feel Abraham getting angrier and angrier as you quote more stats. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just feel the hatred. Either, um, either way, our, I mean, our offensive line is decent, and and, and I think Russell Wilson. Is that Paul for many of those sacks this year? Because he's, you know, stood in the pocket too damn long. So I'm not getting angry. I'm not getting angry about the stats because sacks. We all know. At least I hope we all know. Sacks are not the end all be all. And by the way, we got to take a look at uh, our own Jamal Adams, right? Jamal Adams has what eight and a half sacks on the season, right? Something like that. Are yeah. we oh, yeah. on blitzing plays? With, uh, by the way, Chris Collinsworth owns Pro Football Focus, right? His little group did a stat where it said on plays that he blitzes and doesn't get a sack, the opponent's quarterback rating is 120. So getting a wow. sack doesn't mean wow everything in the world, right? Um, yeah. Pressures and hurries, that's a little bit more important. Um, yep. You know, and, and that's... That's something that anecdotally, as I look at the defensive line for the Washington football team, it looks like they're great. It looks like they're awesome. In the couple games that I've watched, the eye test tells me, oh, these guys are a huge problem for anybody. And that that's where I get a little bit worried. But, you know, I go back to the quarterback situation. If you're telling me Dwayne Haskins, who – 
shouldn't be an NFL quarterback is going to be the quarterback. We win. Alex Smith has shown me an incredible career. And I, I definitely fear an offense led by him. I don't fear an offense led by Dwayne Haskins. And I definitely fear that defensive line of the Washington football team. Absolutely. Absolutely. Abe, follow up on that. And, and everyone else as well. What, Tactically, what can the Seahawks do to stop or slow down that offensive line? I mean, we've got Russell Wilson, who's like one of the best running quarterbacks in NFL history, quite frankly. And I just don't think we use him very much. But I mean, what what would you what do you think we can do? What would you like to see the Seahawks do to try to slow that down? How about a toll booth? <laughs> you know, maybe with like, you know, like hey, you know, a quarter. Because there's no pockets on any of these pants of these football players. Yeah. They can't hold those like, uh, Blazing Saddles. They're going to have to send someone back to town to get oh. more to <laughs> I forgot about that. I love That's that. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, we better That's get somebody to go back and get a blank load of times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's a good idea. Uh, the honest truth is, is use, use, uh, Russell's legs. You do the bootleg a lot. Uh, short passes over the middle, make them, make them hesitate to, to rush because you know, they're, you're, you're just throwing the ball right over their heads. All I've... things that, all things that any normal offensive coordinator would be capable of, but we haven't had one of those in decades. Everybody, we yeah. all know what we all know what the answer is to this. I mean, it's chip blocks. Uh, Travis Homer is probably, you know, as much as I don't like him as a running back, I do like him as a blocking back in the backfield. Bring him in. I love the idea of Disley and Hollister and uh, this new guy Parkinson. You know, getting them in in two tight end sets, and I do love the idea of doing trap draws, doing running back screens slants i don't know if schottenheimer's got it in him to get this through to his head that the way to bleep the blitz the way to beat a blitz is to hit them where they ain't yep and you know that's what a that's what a trap draw does that's what a you know freaking slant pass does you know when those linebackers vacate that backfield and if they do a zone blitz and they have defensive linemen there ain't no defensive lineman going to stop Lockett. There ain't no defensive lineman going to stop DK Metcalf. Run those, you know, screen passes. You know what? Yes, you're opening yourself up to problems. Russell Wilson's not that tall, so he can't like see over, you know, uh, uh, you know, a jailhouse blitz. But trust him. Trust him. Do it. Run those kind of plays. Yep, I agree with you. I can't argue with that. Um, you had you had one in, in the pre-show questions. You had one that we haven't talked about. I'd like to go over real quick because I thought it was a great question. But I, I, I'd like to start first. But what are your favorite Seahawk holiday memories? I'm going to go back. To, firstly, I'm going to go back to 1983. That's when the Seahawks first qualified for the playoffs, and they played on Christmas Eve against the uh, I believe it was the Denver Broncos. I mean, it was the 83-84 season where we ended up going to the AFC Championship game, lost to the Raiders, but 
that was a hell of a game. I believe we went 31 to seven over the Broncos and we just dominated them. It was in the kingdom. So that's my favorite holiday memory. Do you guys have any holiday memories for the Seahawks? Actually, I have another one. If you don't come up with one, I'll, I will <laughs> say it. Go for it. Um, a few years ago, they won. Uh, they're at Dallas at twenty-one. To t- they won twenty-one to twelve. I think it was twenty seventeen. And uh, Justin Coleman picked off a pass. He scored a touchdown, and he jumped into the Salvation Army kettle they had there in the end zone. I don't know if any of you guys remember that, but I, I thought that was kind of cool, kind of a memory that popped up. And I mean, we ended up winning, obviously, but. I, I I don't remember who we played, you know, the next round of the playoffs, but that would be my other memory. I'm still, I'm still like really angry about this Vinny Testaverde thing. Good Lord. Will you give it up, please? <laughs> no, I'm not going to give gonna, it up. Are you going to track down Vinny Testaverde and, and, and yell at him? I for, do not, uh, I do not blame green balls. It's not his fault that, his head looks like a football. That's just genetics. <laughs> wow. That's just the way wow. genetics work out. Okay. That's true. That's the- <laughs> true. He doesn't really have a choice of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, fine. How about this? How about the time that um, Steve Largent just utterly destroyed Hayden from the uh, Broncos? That's right. That was about this time of the year. Yeah, that's right. That was amazing. Yeah. Yep. Mike Harden or whatever was his name. Mike Harden, yep, yep. Earlier that season, uh, Mike Harden lit up, lit up uh, Steve Largent. Mike Harden tried to kill him. Yep, literally. Yeah. broke yeah, his face not. mask, almost decapitated oh, he him. Went in, he went into the head. He led into the head. I mean, he was he was aiming for his head. I I, was, I saw tried to murder. on replays of that. I saw um, I, I saw a referee say, "Don't please don't do that." And in today's game, that guy would be suspended for the rest of the season. He would have been suspended, ostracized. Yes. Fine. Whipped up and down Madison Avenue on, you know, with flagellants, uh, not flatulence, but what are those whips called? (laughs) So like you're Catholic, you tell me, what are those whips that priests hit each other with? I I know what you're talking about, but I'm laughing at Vladislav. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? Anyway, um, no, no, he would have been a pariah. But you know, here he was told he was a naughty boy, got a five thousand dollar fine, which was a mere pittance, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, and then you know, uh, coming up on Christmas, week fourteen, I believe it was. Uh, interception from D- Dave Craig pass to was it Brian Blades? Does that sound right? Uh, pass right, yeah. pass to Brian Blades. Brian Blades, by the way, tackled. So all you wimpy wide receivers out there who complain about oh he was holding me oh I was passing if you're oh shut up yes stupid <laughs> jerks from today. Back then cornerbacks and safeties just basically pile drived you. And unless, uh, unless a referee was looking, they just let it go. And so blades was thrown to the turf. It it was intercepted by Mike Harden. Mike Harden takes it, runs about 20 yards and bam, right from behind Largent just unloads and explodes on him and knocks him 
20 yards down the field. Ball pops out, large and recovers. Seahawks go down, get the touchdown, win the division, go to the playoffs. 1988. Maybe 89. I can't remember. Uh, it was 88. Yeah. <clears throat> Any other memories, guys, before we close it out with baseball? Well, there was that time that Rich Michelson told me, like, look, Abraham, it's 1992 and the Seahawks can't lose 12 games. It's not going to happen. Rich, Mi- Rich Michelson, did you know James Clifford or were you there after he was there? I was uh, about four years behind him. Okay. <laughs> He was already a starter at uh, the University of Washington. Right on. Uh, Wait, did Clifford go to another? Ingram? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah there was I another played. guy there too. Uh, the running back, um, uh, Lewis. Greg Lewis. Greg Lewis. Yeah. I, I played summer baseball against Clifford, and then I met him at a, a Blanchett basketball game. Nice guy. So I was just curious. Right on. Um, there was a what, tennis player named Richard Michelson. He was it. Was wasn't he oh, yeah. at Ingram? Was was he at Ingram? Uh, he, he 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 was. He he just wasn't very good. But oh, okay. um, anyway, um, but had a lot of fun. Let's just we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, right on. Uh, the tennis team was co-ed, so you know. Um, <laughs> that, that, now now it all makes sense. absolutely. <laughs> wrestling. When I was doing wrestling at Blanchard, it wasn't co-ed. I chose poorly. <laughs> <laughs> he chose poorly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which Mariner questions are we going? Or, or, or which baseball? You're the host. I think we're You're just gonna. Host. Yeah, I thought I thought we were just gonna talk about the PCL thing. Oh uh, well, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll give a rundown real fast for any okay. people who don't know. Go PCL ahead. has Pacific Coast uh, League. Pacific Coast League. Triple A. Triple A. The Coma Rainiers League, in other words. Um, has uh, fully removed themselves, uh, withdrawn from uh, minor league baseball. And what that really means, roughly, is that they get themselves out of a tricky legal situation between having their the, the reality of the new, the new agreements among teams where uh, um, you're, you're invited to, the, to be the minor league team for, for a major league team nowadays, you're signing a player development contract for 10 years and you're doing it individually basis. There is no organization really that you're joining. Um, so by withdrawing from the Pacific Coast, from the minor league baseball association, they're allowing the teams to sign those, le- those, those uh, invites individually without potentially running into some legal snafus. So now we, way. we only heard about this today. Where did you get this info that, they're being extricated because I've been looking online. I can't find it's any. It's on the info. athletic right now. Okay. It was posted about an hour ago. It's oh, just okay. Right now. Because now um, the big the big deal here was that uh, Iowa, the Cubs AAA team, and Fresno were getting the uh, kick in the pants, right? To get the heck out of the Pacific um, Coast League. I don't recall. Well, the Fresno Fresno got knocked down to the Cal League. They got right. they had to accept the promotion down to the single A, low A actually. Um, and I don't recall what, I, what the deal was with, with with Iowa because they're keeping, as far as I understand, it, Oklahoma City is staying in the PCL. Right, right. But I mean, uh, 
there's major renovations to all the leagues, right? And they are going to do some reshuffling. Yes. And what you're saying is the PCL has decided, you know what? Stop screwing with us. Major league baseball. You don't get to call the shots. This is a partnership. No. At least that's, at least that's at what all. I'm, at least that's what I'm getting out of it. That's not at all what happened right now. All that happened is the PCL has opted out of the minor league baseball association. They're out of, they're no longer with the minor league baseball association. So, <clears throat> the the invites that the teams that the major league teams sent to all the teams individually came with uh, uh, non disclosure agreements and indemnification agreements, meaning that they can't sue the major league team for the the realignment and so forth. And then the NDA non disclosure agreement means they they have to they have they can't reveal the the nature of all the full deal. They have to sign those agreements by tomorrow, uh, the 18th of December. Um, and then, and then after once they have signed it, they will then receive the real player development uh, contract. The issue is here is if they had stayed, if the PCL had stayed in the MILB, the Minor League Baseball Association, then there would be some legal issues between the uh, if if Minor League Baseball intends to sue uh, Major League Baseball for stealing its teams. This way, those teams aren't a member of the minor league baseball anymore, and they aren't going to be a party to that contract, and it removes them from a legal situation. Oh, my God. Really, I'm, I'm severely depressed because has, that's the exact opposite of what I wanted to happen. It's basically it's basically, it's allowing the teams to, 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 to ununionize, basically. This is the exact opposite, doing. Matt, of what I wanted. I wanted... I agree. I, I'm with you. For all of you out there, what I wanted to happen... Um, because they collapsed something to the effect of 70 ish teams and, um, and basically the major league baseball wanted to dictate terms to all the mom and pop shops that are operating around the country, uh, how to do business. What I had hoped is that all the minor league teams, you know, 150 or hundred and whatever it was, uh, minor league teams would get together and I'm not saying unionize, I'm not saying unionize. I'm just saying decided, look, yeah, major league baseball, you can't tell us what we're going to do. We get a say in this. And Matt, what you're saying from this article sounds like the PCL is just, they're going to acquiesce. Well, that it, the reality is, is they have negative leverage. They have absolutely zero leverage. If these teams decide not to sign the the the, uh, the agreements, and it's it's actually like forty eight or so teams that got cut, uh, they'll just they'll just they'll just say, okay, Coma, you don't want to be involved, fine, goodbye, and they'll call up, they'll ring up their they'll ring up the next team on the list and go, hey, you want to take Coma spot? And they'll go, they'll be those that team will be desperate because now they 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 had been told they weren't going to get you know a major league players or any minor league players or anything like that. So they're basically facing complete bankruptcy. Didn't you call uh, and, it, didn't you call it Walmart tactics? Basically it's Walmart tactics. They're, they, uh, yeah, they're strong arming. And if they try to unionize, they'll, they'll just kick them out. They'll just kick them out and they'll, they'll replace them. They are eminently replaceable, these little teams. And the reality is, is the union that they had was the minor league baseball association and the minor league baseball association had no leverage at all. This is uh, garbage. They really they're did. not. They're not replaceable. But I do they understand. They're numbers. I get that they're numbers, and that's the way Major League Baseball thinks of them. But I, I can't accept that they're replaceable. 
Like it's it doesn't unless all one hundred and twenty stand up together and say no, which isn't going to happen apparently. Then, which is which would never happen. The the Major League Baseball will will just replace those that say no with the other ones that the, the forty or so that they've eliminated. Yep. And the forty or so are so desperate they're facing they're facing bankruptcy they're facing complete and utter loss of all value of a team that they had you know they had a franchise sports franchise that was worth like two million bucks or something like that that they could have sold you know but now it's now they don't have a team at all so it's worth zero uh, you know they're desperate so they'll sign anything so all the all the leverage is on the major league side and major league's winning and, and you gotta. You- and, God, God dang it, these stupid why, politicians. Why isn't this a, uh antitrust issue? Exactly. That's where I was going to go with the because, rich. Because our Congress is busy not it's, doing, not governing. Well, it's not the Congress. It's it's the executive branch that, well, that has the... It, I mean, the legislation is fine. <laughs> well, there, there is okay. that. Okay, but you revoke their tax status. That, that's really all that, as far as I understand. No, that, that's, that's you, what you come... No, 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 no. It's exclusive rights to, 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 to call, you know, to, to run the league in, this, in, the, in the country, you right? You can threaten to take them over and break them up. Okay, and how would that happen? On what, on what legal grounds... Because they're do doing anti-anti. Well, um, the government did it. Reagan activities. Reagan did it to the air traffic controllers in the eighties. Is and what, what I think. Air, or I'm sorry, Rich. I think that's what you're talking about, Rich. Right? It's an it's an option. Yeah, yes. it's an option. It's it, it's not meant to actually. You're not meaning to actually break up Major League Baseball, but it's more that you're going to exert pressure and say, look, they, they did it to what AT- you're doing is they, is monopolistic. They did it to AT and T. As well, ladies. Yeah, I, I understand that, but here, here's here's the thing: when it comes to running the at the, at the end of the day, Major League Baseball is a business. Absolutely, 100. It's a business, and from a business standpoint, Major League Baseball is acting 100 in their best interests in terms of financially gain. They they they're right now, and compared to the four the, the four out of the four major leagues in the in the country, they are paying colossally more in terms of development costs for players for way more players than ever get they actually get up to the major league level and they don't want to pay that anymore it costs way too much they want to they want to take the money that they're investing in that and they want to they want to focus their their money down to uh you know more p players with more potential they want to improve the clubhouses and improve the the training and so forth and and up the the return on their value What they're doing from a from a business and financial standpoint makes one thousand percent of sense. I can see both sides of the argument here, and it sucks. And I, and, and and but the reality is is that it, you try to use the antitrust rules and try to threaten Major League Baseball, they'll take you to court and they'll tie that up for a decade. And in that decade, they're going to continue to run the league this way, and those minor league teams will all be dead and dust long before that ever gets ruled on. I don't think so. so I think so I think if you so if you late. remove the you got to remember who owns these teams. You're talking about the top 30 captains of industry, right? That own these baseball teams. And when you take them that own the baseball teams, yes. Yeah. And when you take away their antitrust exemption, they're all of a sudden on the naughty list for the executive branch. That's not where okay. they want to be. 
No, it isn't. But they are doing. They're acting in the best interests of their of their business. Yeah, but when you start, so, well, so but going back to Rich's not, point, going back to Rich's point, Rich is saying, you have this, you have this uh, club, you have this cudgel uh-huh. that you can wave, and it I, acts as an opportunity to get them to do what's right, not what's best for business. Because we hear that all the time. What's best for business? No, it is right. It is right. It is right. I mean, not not necessarily. They they want to they want to focus it on on you know they they want to stop paying the the thirty nine round draft picks and 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 you know filling out these these other you know the eight minor league rosters. No, what what they want to do? Well, players are going to make it to the majors. What they want to do is they want to put risk upon other business folks and. All that risk goes to them, and they have no risk at all. That's that's and that's what football and that's what football does. That's what football does right now. That's the reason why college football is so screwed up right now, is because the NFL puts all the risk on college football. Well, they don't put it. College football takes accepts all that risk themselves. They do, but um, you know, here it is in baseball where it's like that's not the case, and they're stuck. the The minor league baseball, the minor league baseball teams are stuck, and. I still say the reality is is that you could wave that antitrust thing in their faces and they're not going to care. They're going to they're going to hire the best lawyers they possible, which they probably already have, and they're and they and then they've been very careful in how they've done this. Disagree. And with COVID actually worked in their favor. COVID uh, did work in their favor. That is true. Season. And and the fact that Congress and and the rest of the country is is looking at other things, they're doing it kind of behind everyone's back, even though it's in plain sight. The reality is, is that it, it, any any fight like that, it, it would be a legal fight. Ultimately, they would appeal it. They would appeal it. They would appeal it. And and in that time, it's too late. These decisions are already made. The contracts are going to be signed this coming week. Uh, the the other teams are screwed. They're gone. Um, some of them got offered uh, potential alternate dream league teams or wood bat collegiate league teams and draft leagues and so forth. They're going to take those deals because that's the best they can do. Um, and, and by the end of it, you know, in, in, in a year, even if they extend it just for one year in that one season, it's the changes are already done. Their contracts are, the ink is dried on the contracts. Those teams are, that are dead are dead. But you gotta, you gotta understand this though. I don't know where you're missing this, Matt, because what's happening in these scenarios is in a capitalist society. It's Uh not, it's not demand that's making these choices. It's an industry leader that's making the choices for everybody else within that industry. And I don't know how that can possibly even remotely be considered anything other than a monopolistic, you know, uh, they're striving for efficiency. They're not necessarily striving and dictating to the market on how these little teams want to form another league. If someone wants to go form another baseball league, they're welcome to. No, they can't. That's what the whole monopoly thing is. That's the whole antitrust exemption. No one, but yeah, but no, they don't use it. No one's, no one's stopping you from going and starting a, a, a baseball league right now. Actually, they, they it wouldn't. is. You can't call yourself major baseball. You cannot call yourself major baseball, no. major league baseball. Call yourself, call yourself a professional league, and you, you're, you, that's fine. You're there. You can exist. These leagues exist around the league. The Atlantic Coast League is an, is an, uh, is a, uh, an independent league. The uh, the Cape Cod League exists. The the W West Coast League. Those are not um, those are not major league baseball. 
No, they're not. But I'm saying you can form one of those, and you can try to find your own players and try to build yourself a major team, major league, you know, caliber player base, and 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 build, you know, sign those, take up the take up the cities that, that have been abandoned. You can't though, because the draft is is specifically enabled for the major league baseball, whatever the entity that is, because of that antitrust exemption. And what I'm saying is that they could, they could, they could draft or sign players elsewhere. Other Mm -mm. one. Yeah. Like right now, like what, like what the, uh, the XFL is going to do around the NFL draft. Football is different than baseball. Football. football does not have an antitrust exemption. I understand that, but I'm saying like I'm saying like they're they're going to go around it. There's going to be there's ways around it. That's what I'm saying. They're, the bottom line is they're striving for market efficiency. They're seeking efficiency right now. They are paying for a bloated development system that is ten times the size it needs to be, and. They they shouldn't be banned from trying to seek that efficiency. I can see their argument in that regard. I don't know why you're defending big business. I am also no. I like hate this big this like, is this is the weirdest. Like I don't know for those of you out here out there I'm who having an listen, out of body experience. Yeah, those of you who listen to us, those of you who know us, this is the weirdest thing. I'm defending the little guy. <laughs> which is weird. And Matt's defending the big, bad, evil I'm, I'm corporation. I don't person. understand how we ended up on the wrong side of the fence of each of these arguments. Um, no. Uh, what were you going to say, Rich? Um, my, my thing is we, we, we've gone way down the rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> way down the rabbit hole on what was supposed to, I think supposed to be five minutes on the PCL thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. But this, so Jason I, Myers, I we should kick we, the field goal. We, <laughs> yes, yes, yes Jason Myers' fault because he didn't make the field goal. But this this tactic by Major League Baseball is a monopolistic tactic. It, it, it is illegal. It violates a, ver, a large variety of antitrust legislation that's been passed. Okay, uh, yank the yank, and, the, yank the thing. What's going to stop them from doing it? Well, I mean, the there are various mechanisms that the federal government is not doing um, their job on, basically, is what it boils down to. Um, because it, uh, one of the antitrust principles is that if you have a dominant monopolistic or near-monopolistic position, which Major League Baseball does um, on ta- both talent acquisition as well as uh, the distribution of games and merchandise and whatever else you can do business, but there's certain rules you have to follow and um, you can't act like a 95,000 pound gorilla and basically ram stuff down people's throats. Um, which is why, for example, Microsoft got into all that trouble in the nineties with their antitrust thing. Why Google, Facebook, um, Amazon, et cetera, are, you know, basically flirting with antitrust problems. Uh, it's, it's a similar thing. It's just, nobody wants to pay attention to it at this point. Um, it's also that this is a, probably should and will be an ongoing discussion. Uh, perhaps this should lead off our, uh, our, our podcast next, next week. Yeah, yeah, this is a, this is a much bigger can of worms than I thought it was. We've been, <laughs> running, we've been running a little long. Yeah. Give me both. <laughs> um, 
and, and, and keep in mind, and I want to hear an answer for this next week. I'm not asking, not 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 for this week. Or I think we're about to wrap it up here. But I want I want you guys to think on this. If they wanted to seek to if, make their their development system more efficient, like they're like they're seeking to do, how could they have done it with within the antitrust rules? How could they have proceeded to optimize and and improve the efficiency? Of their development system, and I'll and I'm don't ask him, don't answer now, don't answer now, just think about that. Oh, you don't want to be wrong now. You want to be wrong next week. Is that what this is? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fine. All right. Bring I see. it on okay. next week when we have more time. Send us messages, Seattle Sports Union Nation. Let's hear your responses. Um, how about some shout outs, you guys? Yeah, Abraham sure. I'll start. I'll start off. Uh, shout out. Shout out. By the way, to uh, to our buddy. Eric Martin, um, who's been on the show in the past, especially back when we were with YouTube. Uh, this song that you hear is his band, the fast nasties. It's called this year is the year. Uh, I'm glad that Eric, you've been able to get through 2020 great. And, uh, we look to hearing forward to you in the future on this year, very show, especially as you are a Detroit Tigers fan and can tell us all about their woes. Out of bad for him. Well, I'll, I'll jump in here with a shout-out. I'd like to give a shout-out to all the fools, all the haters, all the people out there that are calling for Jimmy Lake to be fired as the Husky head football You all are done. Wow. Five <laughs> games in and people are calling for it, huh? Really? Yeah, on the Twitter, on the Twitterscapes and on the uh, a variety of... Uh, on the Twitter, low life, low life scumbag social media areas. But regardless, the fact that, that anyone's calling for a first year head coach who's had a the, you know the toughest season in hundred years to to deal with and did win an abbreviated season and did win his division, you know it's still uh, it's just ridiculous. A three and one record. What a jerk! I know. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, my, my shout-out will be to the actual winner of the Pac-12 North, Mario Cristobal, who signed a six-year, $727 million contract today. Extension for Oregon football. Yes, that's right, evil Oregon. Uh, and, and how we're going to actually represent the Pac-12 North and the Pac-12 championship game. And that means if we win, we're legitimately the Pac-12 champions. Not, or- not Washington, which couldn't could, could be bothered to show up to the game. It was it was it was it was on it was inconvenient for them, so they just they just couldn't show up. So uh, so yeah, uh, you know, go Ducks tomorrow. Wow, um, I got several. I'll make it quick though, but because I'm the host, I can do several. Um, uh, shout out to MLB for adding the Negro Leagues to the official baseball records. Oh, absolutely. I think, that, nice. yeah, I think that's pretty darn cool. Um, also, shout out Seahawks signed a offensive lineman Alex Boone. He played. Several years for the 49ers and for the Cardinals and for the Minnesota, but he's got signed to the practice squad, but it adds depth to us because we keep having so many injuries, and they say he can replace half their backups. That's how good he is. And shout-out to Abraham because he's next week he's going to have my new intro music, so i got to <laughs> give him props. And, and last but not least, i got to mention our – documentary for Seattle Fortune and please go Abraham will tell you all our pages but please go and watch it on our YouTube channel 
or go to our sales sports union page. We, we go out and interview players in front office about the pandemic and how it has affected their lives. So it's, go out it's there. wonderful. There's some great shots of Sad Solak sitting in his seat all alone. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> go check that out on YouTube. <laughs> uh, Seattle Sports Union. It's the very first episode on there. By the way, check us out all on check us out on SeattleSportsUnion.com for all our great articles as well. Check us out on Twitter at Seattle Sports U as well. Like us on Facebook. We'll see you guys next time. Go Hawk. Go Hawk. Go Hawk. But not done. <laughs> <laughs>